Hi, this is Shane Hagedorn, and you're listening to the Moment to Moment podcast, episode number eight. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Uh, We are deep in winter. It is cold out there, and for most Michiganders, eh, it isn't that quite bad yet. (laughs) We have had the snowpocalypse. We've had very Arctic temperatures in the past five to seven years where even hardcore Michiganders knew it was Mm. time to fly south. Mm, Most definitely. So I can deal with this. It's not that bad. I've got my wood split and continuing to do it, which is great exercise. It's great therapy. And I'm awful. I'm also given the opportunity to really reflect on things while that motor's going, while the axe is going. And it helps align me with things I need to do for the week, for the month to kind of put pieces together. I think when we listen to too much music or TV, it kind of just gives us popcorn And we're not able to really be alone with our thoughts, to be able to process the game plan that we need, whether it be financially, professionally. And I take advantage of those moments by myself in my car to kind of make a game plan. And even if it doesn't work, I've got at least some 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 logs built down on the road that I can at least go over and. and try that out. So, so this weekend I'm having some of my family over some cousins and, and uh, we're going to decorate my tree. They all wanted to come over and decorate my tree and we'll have some, some good food, some good drinks and a lot of good laughs. I'm very excited to have a good friend of mine (laughs) for many years in studio today, all the way from Grand Rapids, Anthony E. Griffin, thanks Grand for joining us. Thank you for having me, Shane. Grand Rapids, Michigan. <laughs> yes. And I call him Tony. So yeah, if you Tony's hear that, fine. Tony Stewart, that's my boy. Yeah. So thanks again for coming. It looked like a beautiful drive down. It was a lovely drive. I, I of course, took a wrong turn, but enjoyed the, the moment of uh, chaos meets change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in thinking about that, driving out here, you live about 40 minutes away from your job. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. So you have, what a blessing to be able to have that moment to decompress mm-hmm. and uh, process your day yeah. and how things have been going. And it's a relatively, you know, um, calm drive. It's not yeah. a lot going on on the roads and particularly the back roads, which are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I imagine at dusk and dawn with the deer, it gets a little hair raising, but. Yeah, we have a contract. Yeah, that's they what I imagine. stay out of my way and I'll stay out of theirs. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about it. But that's that's a, quite a challenge here in Michigan to be able to pull that off. It's yeah. a nice contract to have if you can yeah. get it. Me and the squirrels. We're we're getting there. There's a lot of negotiation. <laughs> nothing and nothing more awful than really stripping an union. animal. Yeah, I, that's so heartbreaking. <laughs> it's just such a, such an empathy to feel that life energy go <laughs> under those Dupont Nordells, right? You're I like, know. ooh, but I got not to like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, work's calling. <laughs> it's so good to see you. I love the studio. I love what you've done here. Um, I love your podcast. I picked up on it around. Thank you. Um, Episode three. Mm -hmm. I mean, you are one of the few people that since I got back on Facebook, I'd been off it for almost three years. Mm -hmm. uh, And I noticed how much they changed and I could kind of squelch and tone down moments, um, which made it a little healthier for me as a person. Mm -hmm. But I'm always um, engaged and enjoy seeing your successes and seeing you acknowledge the things that didn't work for you in parlance of like failures, but Mm -hmm. what you've learned from it. it's incredibly inspiring to me as a fellow artist and just, you know, we've known each other now for the better part of 16 years sure. and worked on any number of things. Yeah. And it's always just just really wonderful to see what you're doing with evolving and growing and becoming um, the different angles you take as an artist. Mm, thank it you. inspires me. Thank you. Thank you. And that's great because uh, I know. Those who may not know who Tony is, 
He's been a giant in the Michigan film industry for many years. Probably just from the food. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's an incredible thing. Two boards. The West Michigan Film Alliance. Yeah, I'm, film I'm the president of the West Michigan Film Video Alliance okay. now. Um, I was on the Grand Rapids Community Media Center board for mm. a little while. I'm on the board of governors for the Eclipse Awards, mm. um, trying to help offer uh, insight and another perspective as an independent filmmaker here sure. in Michigan, since those are exclusively in Michigan. Yeah. The West Michigan Film Video Alliance, in essence, is wrapping up. You know, at some point, I'll write a letter and send it out to the uh, membership and explain what's changed. But the overall arc uh, thrust of that is that social media has replaced the need for certain types of networking opportunities for people, which I find incredibly fascinating. Back when the alliance started about 10, it'll be about 13 years ago. Facebook or social media in and of itself, whether it's MySpace or Friendster, wasn't as prevalent. It didn't replace the need to meet and see people one on one, which, interestingly enough, this kind of ties hand in hand, dovetails into your Anytown USA motif for this episode. And that's fine. We do lose something not having those face to face interactions, those ability to have those networking events. But at least insofar as West Michigan's concerned, there's enough of a population, enough people who've been able to find their communities or in some ways their tribes in the parlance of our times to interoperate. Mm-hmm. And those sizes don't require a membership connection. There's no need for a gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. And to me, it felt after having the conversations over about two years and doing surveys and having conversations with uh, uh, those in our community who are key individuals who could give me that insight. Mm -hmm. It was like, we're putting a lot of free energy, volunteer energy into this. And in some ways, that was the dead log in the woods. All due respect to everybody who's involved and put a lot of work in it. I, too, have also done that. And I felt like it's time to cut it down and let something else grow in its place. And it's nice to see those things. It's very hard uh, as an individual. Sometimes we we don't want to do that Mm -hmm. because there's an ego or there's like a personal affront that kind of comes from it. Or, you know, in some ways, I think it's like putting good money after bad. Mm -hmm. I, for one, have never particularly been challenged by change. I I just ascribe to it. It's nature's path. It's God's will. Change is going to come for us. Yeah. I saw an opportunity to kind of smooth the playing field here. And if God didn't want me in that opportunity, that role, I would not have been placed in that position. So I I used my skills and ability to kind of pay everybody off. That was had bills outstanding and smooth a ramp that said, if this is going, if I have to play caretaker here instead of ship's captain, then I can do that equally as well. Mm. And it reached that point. It's, It's reached that point now where if somebody would want to be a part of that type of thing, they could start up their own organization. They could join the Michigan Production Alliance in Detroit. There's any number of wonderful groups on Facebook that very specifically target those things. Most of them are for acting, but some are for production. And um, people can get a sense of involvement in that way. Mm. It was important to, Mm -hmm. to kind of come to that understanding. And I grew a lot as a leader in that position, understanding, oh, it's on me to kind of not make those choices, per se, as much as it was to get a, a group of people together and manage those choices. Yeah. That is the difference. I'm used to being one of them that would put a lot of energy behind a choice and do it, but having to sort of referee everybody else's opinions and say, okay, this is the direction we're going in. Mm -hmm. That was a different feeling for me to be able to do. It's not like directing a movie, um, not even really festival directing a film festival. It was like, hey, there's there's money involved in this situation Mm -hmm. that comes to... um, uh, an organization that's nonprofit. And that was a very interesting key moment in my development as a leader and as a, oh, yeah. as a thought. Well, I think those types of decisions where you have to make critical choices like that, that's going to affect, you know, organizations, institutions, a lot of people's, as you said, they're, everything that they've invested time and energy and say, this is what we're going to do that. If you were to look at historically how leaders have shaped things, it's because in those moments they've made that choice. They've Mm -hmm. made a decision based upon all the evidence and their gut. 
that this is what they're going to do. And I think that's uh, me. I subscribe to um, leadership principles and I listen to many, many mm-hmm. thought leaders as maybe you were That's thinking. the word I was trying to reach for. Yeah. Thank you, Shane. But those are uh, <laughs> moments in your life that you're either sitting on the fence or you're out in the arena, you know? Right. And I give, I tip my hat to people that are out in the arena that are out there giving it their all, mm-hmm. rolling with change. Change has been a theme for me this week as I've been listening to more and more podcasts and YouTube videos on change. It's always going to happen. It's the most constant thing in your life. Mm-hmm. Change. Seasons change. And if you you say that you're in this winter now, things aren't going for you and things just don't seem to be ripening while well, you're in a winter. Right. Hang tight because spring's coming. Summer will follow mm-hmm. and eventually your harvest. So wherever you're at, if you're in your harvest, if things are going right, if things just seem to be favors on your side, know that mm-hmm. change will come again. Right. And things will be you'll be removed from something. Um, something will be taken from you. So I just say just prepare for those things. Prepare your mind. Don't get so saddled with either a tough choice mm-hmm. or circumstances, always know that there is a way out. There is a way out. If you, if you focus and you dedicate and you, you seek advice of, of your core group of, of people that have wisdom, yeah. you're going to find something, a way out of, or the opportunity out of that crisis, sure. you know? Sure. So yeah, thank you for, for taking the lead on that mm. because that does affect Many people in this state, and I think Michigan right now is a really great state for film production. I mean, absolutely, I think amazing amount of talent here. Oh, totally, and certainly on the coast. If you, mm-hmm. you know, I don't mean to interrupt, but it's it, there are people whose roots are from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of skill set, a lot of intelligence and thoughtfulness. Um, certainly, the work ethic. Uh, anyone will work, you know, double the time in half the amount of money to get something done because they have a, a need to make sure that it's done appropriately, yeah. correctly, in the best of their ability to make that happen. Yeah. Touching on your motif for the episode, you know, if you're struggling with the choice, know that sometimes the middle ground is not the place to stand. I mean, if it's thin enough choice, it's the razor's edge and you will get cut by it. So choose one. Because even if you make, quote unquote, the mistake or you have failed from it, you will still have learned something valuable from that situation. We will always look at something as human beings when we consider it and go, "Ooh, the grass is always greener. That person has this. This person has that. And that's really not meant for you if if you covet it. If it's meant for you, it'll come to you. Yeah. And then when you have it, sometimes you don't really appreciate it yeah. for as long as you do. And you're like, that's perfect oh. right there. <laughs> I think many people do that. The, the harder you chase something down, it seems like the more it runs from you. Mm-hmm. It really it'll, does. It'll avoid you till, in my experience, mm-hmm. it'll avoid you until you're ready to take charge of it. Exactly. Because, and I talked about this in other, in other podcasts, mm-hmm. is that if you're not able to manage something, you may catch the world by the tail, but if you don't know what to do with it, once you have it, it's going to slip away from you. Whether that be finances, whether that be a, a project, mm-hmm. a relationship, if you're not able to manage that and cultivate, it's going to go away from you because you're not meant to develop and grow this mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So it'll be on your heart. I mean, you mentioned it, I think in the previous episode where it was like that project or a project may not it may ring with you for a moment mm. and then all of a sudden it becomes an obsession where it has to be completed yeah. and nothing is going to, to stop that. Yeah. And that's really the job that we have is yeah. it's a, it's that balance between perseverance and patience. And sometimes it takes a little more of each and then it really just becomes for each individual um, recognizing what that means. Yeah. Am I in a patient time or am I in a perseverance yeah. time? Yeah. I've been that, put on a shelf for a few years, mm. you know, as I, I reassessed where <laughs> I really want to do, do I really want to, is this for me? I feel like I want to do it, but is my heart bigger than 
what God's plans for me, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, I want to get back to, you know, being a filmmaker, any town USA, we touched mm-hmm. on how social media has definitely made the world smaller. Sure. It yeah. has, as if West Michigan film video Alliance, how it has kind of short circuited some of the pillars of that because mm-hmm. people can now just get together. We don't need to, to have X, Y, and Z meeting and things like that. And, sure. and for filmmakers now, technology connections, six degrees of Kevin Bacon just got down to three, <laughs> you know? Well, in West crazy. Michigan, at least amongst artists, and I'm sure that's particularly whatever your desire is, whether you're a musician or an author, a filmmaker, a painter, uh, I'd, I would say six degrees is pretty healthy margin. It's mm-hmm. probably closer to two or three. Yeah. Uh, certainly I see a lot of, you know, <laughs> Facebook now it's got the friend suggestion and I'm like, oh, I've heard of that person. Oh, I'm aware of that person and realize that we have 50, 60, 70 mutual friends and never run into each other is a testament to how, uh, you know, those platforms have figured out how to market to us. It's a fascinating device. I got a couple feelings on both sides of the fence on it. And and one of those things is for a filmmaker or any artist anywhere, the platform has leveled the playing field for the entire planet, mm-hmm. whether you're in Timbuktu Um, South Africa, Minnesota, you have the same reach and uh, capabilities as anyone else anywhere at any time with all of the fancy gear and machinery. YouTube in particular is a platform, but also say with podcasts Mm -hmm. or um, even with eBooks and things of that nature, that is something not to worry about anymore. Mm -hmm. Every platform is looking for material. Uh, What it's come down to is making sure that, we can take advantage of telling the best possible story. Learning your craft as a storyteller is what makes the difference. On the other side of that, I would suggest, at least as far as mental health is concerned, touching on another episode you you very wisely touched on, was I would say particularly for millennials or Gen Z or people who've grown up with uh, the interconnectedness, uh, smartphones now I think are like 10, 12 years old, Learning within yourself how to set those things down for a while, turn them off, set them aside, figure out how you can be alone with yourself and your thoughts and appreciate the silences. For instance, today I found myself running around before I could could drive out here uh, at the post office. You know, there's no parking and there's a lot of people trying to get things done and I'm standing there sweating, which for me is not hard to do. People know me, they can stare at me mean and I start to sweat. It's just a physical thing. And all I could think about was um, use this time as a moment of gratitude. Thankful that I'm here. Thankful that I'm breathing. I can stand on my own two feet and operate on my own steam Mm. and just sort of smile and be polite to people. And as I left, there was an older gentleman who looked me right in the eye and he said, hey, thanks. Thanks for saying Merry Christmas. Mm. And I'm like. Merry Christmas <laughs> mm. and just being polite and pleasant with people and holding the door. I, I realized tis the season as it were. And I know people have been said like, try to keep Christmas in your heart all year long. Uh, certainly as a Christian, uh, I think that's a requirement on our part. It'd be best for us to be demonstrable in showing people what Christianity is, not what the media has portrayed Christianity to mean social media can tact in that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure we have friends who are uh, both liberal and conservative and I find myself in the middle and it's just becoming, like I said, that middle ground is that razor's edge. Like I yeah. try to think of both sides, but you can also get stuck there and then you just get cut up uh, like the sermon on the Mount. I, I'll go to that every time and just mm-hmm. read those moments and have that feeling and that sense of, peace come over me, particularly when I feel like aggrieved or put upon or justifiably so like this happened. That's not what I wanted. I just kind of step back into a more stoic mindset and accept that this change is something that I would want to happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, The pot needs to be stirred, Mm -hmm. whether my hands on the handle or not. And sometimes those lessons aren't meant for us. They're meant for the person that is, you know, projecting or being the protagonal and you're feeling antagonized by it. It's like, mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. Yeah. Being a, a filmmaker, you're, mm-hmm. you are an accomplished filmmaker, award-winning filmmaker, director. Thank um, you. <laughs> you run a I very try not successful. To blush. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've done a lot. 
I mean, ever since I've known you, uh, like I said, 16-ish years ago. Apology, an apology to the dead. Mm -hmm. uh, you came on as the senator. And I remember a lot of scenes, it was like the, it was the reshoots and watching how you worked as an actor. I never got a chance to really see that. And I, I got a chance to kind of step back and sort of I, I had the opportunity the way this movie was made to watch how people interacted and the way you interacted in the rehearsal space and the time with the actress. And the respect is like the characters and then also as people, I thought, holy cow. I mean, it was an it was an eye opening experience to see. I'm like, I got to get to know this cat, um, you know, uh, watching how you process and think about character and in its context of story. I try to see things and that's not to say you don't do it, but I see things from like the thousand mile view and they try to drop in pinpoint moments. Mm. I feel for actors, they have to already be at the pinpoint moment and then extrapolate from there what the thousand mile view could be. And then as filmmakers we become frustrated sometimes, depending on where that lands, you're like, Ooh, is it a character study moment or is it just a story moment that kind of goes off the rails? And, and we've been on both sides of that where it's like, that's not what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> but when it works and watching how, certainly how you've processed character and, and think of story helps give me, you know, we talked about this before, but I'm, I'm happy to say it finally, to you that other people can hear is you're incredibly inspiring to me to see as somebody who thinks about that and then also knows how to put the insulation on the wire enough to say, that's not me. That's the character or that's the story that I'm telling. And whether you, you agree or don't agree with that character's intentions, you don't let it affect who you are as your confidence and ability to do your job. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. It's, it's rare in an any town situation in a, on a coastal thing or particularly in LA there's I've met plenty of actors that can do that at the drop of a hat it's not as common or prolific an ability to do that here and I don't blame people for that I blame it's a system a systemic opportunity there's not enough opportunity here to be able to act and work with people with experience because if you're really good at what you do, you're going to go to the coast and immediately get work. You get paid what you're good at doing. Yeah. If you're good at doing that and you feel like you have to stay here and you have to do that work no matter where you are and what this commonly known as the flyover states, it gets lonelier quicker because you start finding you're reaching outside of your ability to meet other people that will catch up to that mm -hmm. experience or be able to have the conversation at that level. It, it's kind of freaky yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I put such a good point on that, but <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I just I, wanted to thank you for being here. It's really nice to, to know you for as long as I have and to still be able to be friends and be able to do what we do and separate artistic you know, uh, temperament from we're friends mm -hmm. and we're colleagues and we're Christ followers. And we can have those conversations without e really being interfered, but still trying to figure out how to mesh them together. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, even I think at higher tiers, Hollywood, everybody always like, you know, these two people didn't get to work to work together for like 10 years and they were always waiting sure. for that next project. And, mm -hmm. you know, and we always talk about that someday will happen that we get <laughs> we to be on that next did. project together. And I appreciate those, um, those kind words. Um, they're all well feelings deserved. totally mutual. Um, I've always loved Thank your you. insight, your patience and temperance. And I mean, you, you were an English major in, mm -hmm. in college and your wordsmithing and how you eloquently put things. Uh, I really, I really love, you can carry on great conversations with mm -hmm. people, context and texture and rich. And that's something I've always admired. Um, I'm always searching for words, you know, <laughs> all that hot air and 50 cent words. I'm trying, I'm still paying off my college loans. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> And I think that uh, we're still in Michigan. Yes. You know, as I said, is a, is a, it's still a great state to live. There's roots and foundations. And I think that we both know people that are successfully growing in this state. Mm -hmm. And we could pop off five names on my top of my head. That, Absolutely. Certainly over the last five years. Here and doing good things. So mm -hmm. being a filmmaker, any town USA, let's just say, I think that you have to 
find your voice, whether you're an actor, a director, a uh, a screenwriter, don't try to be somebody else. You may extrapolate things and borrow from those people that you have been influenced by, Mm -hmm. but the world wants you. They do. They want to see you. So whether you look A, B, or C, or D, mm-hmm. whether you write in this genre or that genre, mm-hmm. stay true to yourself, grow where you're planted, and if you create good work, thing it will be attracted to you. Not yeah. like the law of attraction, but seriously, people will seek you out mm-hmm. and they'll want you on your projects or want to get your work along with being rooted and grounded, you know, to the ground, eyes in the sky, feet on the ground, because people don't want to work with ego, you know, ego, we all have it. We all do. We all have it. It's 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 naturally intertwined with everything you do. It's part of your identity. Tempered ego. Mm -hmm. Tempered ego, because there's confidence there's, you know, actor, they want to see an actor come in with confidence, not, not overinflated ego, but mm-hmm. with a confidence and like, okay, he's got the talent. I see some very strong leadership things. I see a personality that I could vibe with and gel with. Mm-hmm. He seems funny and the looks right. I want to work with him. Right. Um, something that frequently happens, it's it's that dividing line between arrogance and confidence. And it's what I meant by uh, mentioning patience. You will have the opportunity to speak your mind. And in a lot of ways, some things that have worked against me, Shane, certainly being so verbose and chattery and stuff, you know, is that it puts people off. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that. It's also part of my way of trying to express how much I care about someone. You know, it's that um, words of affirmation. (laughs) I just pour the love on you. Um, It's also a matter of I have so many things going through my mind at the moment. I'm trying to make connections. Sometimes my mouth runs as my mind is making those connections. I've learned to try to temper those things. I mentioned that in the context of an artist because the confidence that you have to be able to just stand back and listen first to understand seek first to understand before being understood mm-hmm. is really the ground in which your feet will be planted. Even you may not want to work with other people. You'll, you'll take a moment to stand there and go, Oh, I see how this is engineered or how this is operating. And you may find yourself in a situation where you've committed to doing something and you're counted on in that moment to do those things. But if you haven't set a good boundary and if you haven't prepared in your mind the confidence to say no, this particularly happens a lot of times. Unfortunately, I've seen with actresses on less than just genuine sets where they're like, oh, just quick, take your shirt off yeah. or quick, do those things. If a person doesn't have the wherewithal within themselves to say no, cut, stop, that's not appropriate hashtag me too. I'm not doing that Mm. and have the ability to say no and step away from it or say, I need a moment to think about it. I know I have a tremendous amount of respect for anyone that can stop in the process of art and say, this is not going the way I understood or, or expected it. Does that mean I want them to blow a take? No, of course not. But I certainly don't want them to feel unsafe uh, in the sense that they're physically feeling endangered. As a director, I don't mind if an actor feels unsafe or threatened as the character. And in that moment becomes real to them. If it touches on something within them as a person and it's expressed through the characterization, holy cow, that's gold. Mm-hmm. If you can have those moments happen during a, a take or a set or a moment, that's great. But ever, but never in my mind, don't as a director, you're responsible for not putting people there without them being informed. Mm-hmm. That's the big difference between in any town USA type of situation and say something where it's more practice or are thought of in those cases I'm always you know my company's called unsafe film office initially I started that with the idea it was an anagram of like unification screenwriters actors filmmakers everywhere very corny very Michigan um, as it evolved it became more about thinking outside the box mm-hmm. but the fact of the matter is we need a box in order to have a framework 
And instead of looking at that as a stumbling block, I choose to think of it as a stepping stone. So every situation I find myself in, as David Bowie said, the minute you find yourself on safe ground, you're dead. And I've always taken it more as like my creative godfather. And in, in that case, you have to really be out of step with your time as Orson Welles put it, to have the perspective, to be able to tell the story in the moment as it happens. And if people you work with see your confidence and be able to say, hey, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know we can work together through it. Oh, man, the magic is you literally can do that anywhere on the planet at any time. Yeah, I agree. And it does come down to having a great team. And people that you can trust Mm -hmm. um, to get through, because I think filmmaking can be a little messy and uncomfortable, not to the fact that there's, you know, sexual stuff, but just the hard work and it's, it's rigorous hours and it's cold and there's personalities that clash and we're all working towards uh, this particular goal, this, this films, this baby that's in, in, in like RNICU and it's just <laughs> growing and it's so small and any little virus or can, can hurt it and harm it. So we're protecting it mm-hmm. and managing personalities, uh, still achieving goals and achieving things artistically all the while balancing the butt. I mean, there's so many things in place. So mm-hmm. having a great team of these band of gypsies, man, we sure. all come together. Sure. Yeah. Once you find those people, once you find your tribe, they may grow, they may shorten a little bit, but keep that core group mm-hmm. and you can have those in any town USA. And with that, you Absolutely. can achieve many, many great things. Absolutely. Um, you know, your world is your marketplace, mm-hmm. as it were. And there's only more opportunities and many more platforms looking for materials. Something you touched on is coming to terms with what your voice is. We're all inspired and influenced by things we see and feel every day. But there's a large leap between copying something that you're inspired by and then invoking your own voice through it. I've made many things where I've stood back and at the end of it looked at and said, that's good enough to learn from, but not great enough for me to publicize. I I run into other makers all the time, other filmmakers and artists and have that conversation just because you made it and you made it happen and it works. The lesson could have already been learned. Mm. You don't have to put it out there. You can set it aside. Yeah. Um, you know, something I call the 20th mile is like marathoners. You know, the, the mile, what's the mile that they stop most at in marathoning? It's about the 20th mile because 90% of the people have, can reach the 20th mile and you're just like, hey, I'm at least better than 90% of the people. Yeah. You can stop. But it takes that last six miles to really kind of take it over the top and figure out like, you're going to grind out. You're going to get there. And I've had any times where I failed at the 20th mile with a movie or a thought or something I've worked on or processed. And I've set it aside any number of scripts or films or even in some cases, relationships where I didn't know if I had the maturity to, to move on or figure out what that was. Or I achieved a level of maturity that said, I shouldn't be here anymore. This is this is not my place. And since I look at at change as a as a benefit for either myself or the other person, you got to have to step back and go, that gift is out there. Something mm-hmm. was meant to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And then having the humility enough to say, you know, is that mine? Do I have to have the confidence to say I'm taking this moment or am I going to let this moment go because it needs to go somewhere else? Yeah. For a lot of us in any town in USA, that 20th mile could come up pretty quick. Sure. So the thing that I would encourage anyone as an artist to do is maybe even write this down and look at who or what it is that you want to achieve. What's your yardstick? And honestly, if your yardstick is within a hundred mile radius of you, whether that I want to be like this person or I want to be like that song or I want to do this, you're already at the 20th mile. You're at the 90%. You really want to be down at like, the 1% or the 2% of that moment ago, I have a lot to reach for. It's going to be hard. You know, like with the weight training or the running and stuff, Lord knows I could certainly have one or 2% right there. But if I was at 90%, I might be like, eh, good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll stop there. 
um, having a target that's not just the moon, but past the moon, you might not reach it, but at least you didn't stop at the atmosphere. Hold your breath. Go for it. I think even climbing the Himalayas is like that, too. There's that dead zone where a lot of people can give it a shot if they can beat the oxygen blood ratio, what's going on. But a lot of people have to go up there with tanks in order to breathe and reach those levels. Mm. That level of uncomfort, that's where you grow as a person. That's where the muscle fibers break apart. That's where you're short on breath and you don't know if you're going to get the next one. That is probably the most um, exciting part to be as an artist where you go, holy cow, this is going to work. Yeah. Or it's all going to spin out into the blender and you're going to go, ah, you know what? The next time it happens, I'm going to be OK because I'm prepared for the next time with an experience that sure. I didn't have before. I'll tell you something that uh, that's great insight, kind of touching on some of that mm-hmm. thing that has been going on with me. I have a lot of interests. Yes. A lot of artistic thing. I mean, we talk about the slasher artist, the writer, mm-hmm. actor, director, <laughs> producer, editor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The multi angle. Uh, I think in any town USA, uh, certainly I'm that way. I'm more of a generalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had any number of people in jobs where they've asked me, like, well, what are you good at? I said, well, I'm good at producing. No, that's good. I mean, we talk about the multi slasher artist, right? The actor, writer, director, producer, editor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I sometimes say I am those things and I've done those things. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that I've been challenged with is defining and or refining and and focusing on, Mm -hmm. can it be just one? Right. Two, three, how do... In, in honing those those experiences sure. down when when you do work in any town USA, which is a little different mm-hmm. than than if you don't leave. Let's mm-hmm. say we didn't go to Chicago, which is the largest metropolitan area to where we're at now, even Detroit to a degree. The the idea that you can do everything and it's because it was the necessity in which we have to get the job done that we do need to do everything. Mm-hmm. So on a lot of the independent features, not only would I be gaffing, I'd be gripping, uh, in addition to being the director of photography and producing, paying for things, and then coming up with ideas for stories and talking people off the ledges behind the scenes while, while other people are working to make things come together or editing. Some of that is directed by your passion, I find. And then some of it is just out of necessity. So being able to, in a way, like beat the wheat from the chaff or the things that inspire you, I couldn't say, because as a multi-hyphenate myself, I've had opportunities to work and have been hired to work at places based on, oh, I saw that you shot this. And as I start to work, they're like, you don't do it like I expected it to be done. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, sometimes I've been hired because that's such a great skill set. I come in under budget. I had a schedule. I can make these big looks happen for things that basically fit. And at least certainly at those times could fit into a laundry basket. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of those pieces of tools can fit into a shoebox. Yeah. But that was a skill set. That's my voice. I have an ability to do that. Yeah. Um, I have an eye for it and attention to detail for that. But do I want to sit there and make my living as a cinematographer? Well, that requires a lot of gear and, and different things that I have to study and have an attention to. I can get to the mile 20 of it. I can be 90% great at it, which is probably, you know, 80 to 90% better than most people starting out with it. It's such a natural tendency for me, the way I look at things or observe things. Uh, that I enjoy it immensely. My response, my physical being is like, that's part of who I am. Mm -hmm. To that end, telling a story is the same way. I can go, you know, with cinematography, I can rent the camera, I can do this, I can do that. With writing, I can marry that into the visual art of the storytelling, uh, particularly when it comes to um, screenplays, because it's really about the visual and be able to translate something that if you can help an actor express something as it's happening, those actions carry thousands of words that you don't have to do like in a book or even in a song per se. See, and I think that's great. I mean, you are pursuing your master's Mm -hmm. in screenwriting right now. Yes. And so if I were to just ask you what you do or who you are, <laughs> even though that isn't what you're acknowledged for mm-hmm. yet, 
be it ever so humble. Screenwriter. Yes. Uh, well, you know, what's interesting about screenwriting, uh, you know, having grown up the way that I did, uh, would watch TV. It was like my babysitter, so to speak, read and still do read massive amounts of books and, and articles and screenwriting. It was such a natural process for me to be able to do that. I mean, if you recall when, <laughs> when we were working on Fairview Street, there was a scene that had about five pages of dialogue in it. And as yourself, myself and Michael were sitting, I think it was in your truck and we we're eating hamburgers or, or we're, we're sitting there processing and talking about like, you know, there's the one scene where they, he comes home and he sees his wife for the first time in four years. And they're, hey, I don't know if you recall this, this process. And we were talking about as actors and as writers and as men at that age, what would we be like or what would happen? And we're sitting there and eventually the, the dialogue got pared down from four pages of dialogue and back and forth to like two word, two, mm -hmm. two, two back and forth. And we're sitting there just going, why doesn't she just pull the ring off her necklace and they kiss? And I mm. take a bite of the hamburger. And then I see on my peripheral, the way you two reacted to that was like, that's that's it. Yeah. They don't say anything. The right. action per, does it right. be with all due humility that I love the process of us all working through those moments because that is what screenplays are about. Right. Yeah. The, the visual essence and the style. I just never really put a lot of value in being able to do those kinds of things in a screenplay. Mm -hmm. And I've had to learn how to be a better screenplay writer. It's also one of the things that I can do without in a sense, any help. All I need is a computer, oh, yeah. a, a pencil and a paper yeah. and I can start working. It's that and musicians, uh, score producers, score composers can, can work without necessarily needing all the accoutrements and without in a way that's sort of like the village that it takes to make movies. Oh, Do yeah. I enjoy that and appreciate it? Absolutely. It's like a family. And yeah. I, I love that feeling of everybody working together, trying to accomplish. Yes, you have your ups and downs, your, your back and forths. It's an amazing feeling and experience. As I've gotten older. And doing this in a town, I wouldn't want people to feel like, oh, it's so much more amazing in the small town being this, being the local hero of making movies and <laughs> that kind of thing. Mm. Um, look at all the look at all the paper tigers I have in my wall. It's it, to me that kind of limits oneself. That, that's like saying I'm going to put a plastic lid over top. I'm going to Tupperware where I'm at. And that's OK. For some people to to stand back and go, I'm really happy here. My identity is secure. My confidence has never been better. Fantastic. I, I am no judge of person's character and ability to choose what they want in the pursuit of their own happiness. That's not our charge. But for me to stand back and go, I am not happy with this level of complacency. To me, complacency equals mediocrity. And I don't feel like that's me when that happens to me. And I feel that I feel like I've put my hands over my ears to the Lord's word comes down from up high. And I'm like, really, we're supposed to go that direction. And I've always kind of lived my life by a sort of seat of the pants moment. And I've had to learn not to do that. And yet, you know, to go back to your point about being a multi hyphenate, if something's going on that I can help alleviate the pain and the anxiety of, I want to contribute as much as I can, 110%. But what's happened to my mental health is in doing that, it would deteriorate it to the point where I would lose a confidence or a skill set, or I try to fill it with a void of word, this void with words and verbosity, much like I probably have with this whole podcast, but be it ever so <laughs> humble. I, I I have had to figure out how to set a boundary and and something you mentioned with the love languages is like time is incredibly important. I can equate time to money, attention, um, presence of mind, uh, being in the moment, which is the motif of this is like I have an understanding now better at this point in my life that says I can do this really, really well. Should I be doing this as well? Mm -hmm. And that is very difficult to do, especially yeah. when we've grown up as artists in the last, you know, you've been doing over 20 plus years. I've been doing this particular skill set for 15 or 16, at least filmmaking perspective. Everything else before that was short story writing or journalism or photography. Mm -hmm. Filmmaking, of course, married all those together. It's difficult to answer. I can see from my perspective, looking at what you're doing now with podcasting. Oh, my gosh, that's that's 
that is a bell moment. You're ringing a bell. It's out there. It's getting out to the world. And I know we've talked about it before where it's like, is that the next thing? And I'm like, Shane, that's the thing. I, I have so much respect for your authority that you've earned and not just deserve, but listening to how you feel and process and listen to it gives me a perspective of like, oh, I, I don't feel alone. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, that with, again, with the most humility as, as an artist as well, perhaps someone is also listening out there that needed to hear that moment is like, you will be OK. Mm-hmm. We live in a world that's been separated by tribes. And I, I use that word sure. carefully because in a hostile world, you do need a tribe. Yeah. In a in a loving world, you need a community. Yeah. So within you, you have to choose the world perspective. Like, is this a hostile world I'm in or is this a loving world that I'm in? And that may shift. If you find yourself getting frustrated and upset or anxious by someone's projection of their problems or issues towards you and your and their expectation of you to fix them. It's okay for you to say no. It's okay for you to say yes. It's okay for you to say, I need a minute to think about that and set your boundaries accordingly, even if it takes a couple days. Just because someone says that you can't do that with them doesn't mean that you can't do it. My whole career has been built around people who've told me two things. Tony, you should do this. Tony, you can't do that. And typically, at least it would have been a real great way to manipulate me in the past is if you didn't want me to do something, you'd say you should do this. And I would do the opposite. Same thing with you can. Oh, yeah. I'll show you. I've won awards. I've built things around the idea that that was an important moment of time for me to realize this is stunting my growth as an artist. Yeah. And, And like you said, going back to people out there listening right now that uh, maybe going through some of these same things, they have a passion, they have a feeling, they think this is their purpose, but they have these other interests that they may be good at too. Right. I say, and as I'm walking through this physically now (laughs) and doing these things is do them. You know, I think that as long as it's, a, you're getting enriched from it. Mm-hmm. You're feeling a sense of satisfaction. There isn't a lot of things attached that are negative. It isn't hurting you financially. Mm-hmm. It isn't hurting your relationships. It isn't That's hurting other people. That's then maybe huge. that may be something you should go for. Is it helping mm-hmm. somebody? But I think there's many artists out there similar to what we're talking about right now mm-hmm. that may be not confused, but not just quite sure. And I just say, as I'm doing now, mm-hmm. is just keep moving forward. Right. Re Refine those things, mm-hmm. you know, but be excellent at it. And I think that some things may drop off. Right. Some things may pick up. Mm-hmm. But as long as you have forward progress and you constantly challenge yourself and, and mm-hmm. elevate, raise the stakes, you're living a really rich life artistically. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the experiences that um, I've learned from you and watching how you, you worked your way through it with just grace and, and style was how you managed how to, to do Model Father, your first movie. You were right on the cutting edge of how things were made and how they were being made at the time. A lot with cameras, very small crew, writing and figuring out how a story's done. And then what got you is the post process. I mean, even to a point where we'd played it at your trailer at screenings and things and people would start chuckling like coming soon because it'd be like four years, yeah. five years. But that experience... And maybe even from that particular experience, those chuckles or those things became a burr enough under the saddle in addition to any of the other moments where you're like, you know what? I'm not going to do it like that anymore. And you got it done. And it turned out wonderful. It gave you a photograph of who you were at the time and the place in which you made it so that you could look back. So then when you did Ashes, you had another direction, a point from where you started. And this is something I learned in the Army. Uh, my job in the Army was as Ford Observer, 13 Foxtrot. How we found our direction in life, or at least a direction on the skill, because my job was basically how to tell artillery where to kill people. Mm. Well, that's not really a translatable job yeah. in the real world. But emotionally, you can look at that and say, 
you know what? I started here and the direction of the mountain over here, model father was this over here. Ashes is over there. And those two points gave you direction. Yeah. All right. And then wherever you went in there is what we call next is the pattern mm. in which you tracked across the peaks and the valleys and the dead ends and the, the revelations and yeah. successes and the different people you met and the goals that you had set for yourself. By that pattern and seeing what you're doing with this podcast, I am incredibly appreciative. Yeah. Thank you for that, Tony. Yeah. I really appreciate that, man. You have been along with me all these years. Whenever I needed something, whenever I needed um, a look at, second look at something, mm. input on something, you've always taken the time and gotten to it and gave me fresh perspective and honest feedback. And I've always been appreciative of that because I do respect your artistry, mm. your talent, and your friendship. So thank I want you. to thank you again for coming on, sharing some of these insights, sharing with us um, that we're not alone that we can do these things anywhere, any town, USA. Absolutely. Thank you, Tony. Shane, it's an honor being here. Thank you so much for having me on board. I appreciate you and God bless. Thanks everybody again for tuning in and listening to the Moment to Moment podcast. If you want to find out more about Tony Griffin and his wonderful, incredible film festival in Michigan, it's called Thriller Chiller. Him and his wife, Shirley, have been operating this for 13 years. It is Michigan's premier international genre film festival. Not only do other countries know about this film festival, they're submitting some of their best shorts and feature narratives. I encourage you all to go to thrillerchiller.com to learn more. And if you're in Michigan or in the neck of the woods, come check these out. Primarily in October is when they start these, but go to thrillerchiller.com for more information. So this week, when you're out and about, when you're going through and you're, you're, you're plotting and planning for the next week or two ahead, just remember, you can do it in any town USA. Find your tribe. Find that group of people that support you, that clap for you, and not just the fake glad hands, but that true core group of people. Go out, make moments, make memories, create art, and live moment to moment. Thank you for listening and God bless you all.